Welcome to episode 11. In this episode, I want to discuss reactions and response and why the emotional abuser loves to play with your emotions. This is coming up again. It seems to be a cyclical thing that happens in the group, uh, my Facebook group, The Divorce Sanctuary. So I thought I'd talk about it this week. It comes under sort of boundaries and triggers. I find it's really helpful to understand or understand, mainly understand, why they do what they do and the reasoning behind it. Because once you start to notice this and you start to notice patterns, particularly if you're an empath, empaths, that's one of their qualities. They, they notice these patterns. Once you start to notice the patterns, you start, everything starts to drop into place. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. So responding and reacting and it's your responsibility, the way that you respond to people or react to people. But when you come to emotionally abusive relationships, I think it's really important to understand this process. I didn't actually put either term in my book, but they would come under the cycle of abuse, boundaries and triggers. The abuser wants you to react. This is really important to understand. So a trigger is um, can be anything that brings up a memory. It could be a smell or a sight or a sound. It could be hearing a name, it could be getting a text message or an email. And this is a trauma-based reaction. It sends your body into fight, flight, form, freeze. And you might experience emotions of fear, shame, or guilt. Memories may come up for you, which trigger emotional flashbacks. So it's really important that you need to understand or understand that that's what's happening come up with some phrases so that you can say to yourself, this isn't real, I'm not experiencing this now, I'm sa- as long as you're safe, I am safe. The abuser uses different terms. It might be that you um, they say something or do something. What they're doing is they're looking to push your buttons and they use it as a misdirection technique. So they might do something or say something to get a reaction from you. And this is done on purpose. So this is part of the cycle of abuse. They were listening to everything you said. You thought they were really invested in you, but actually they were invested in extracting information from you. They validated you. It might be that they heard you in a way that nobody else has ever heard you. Um, You might have shared things with them that you would not necessarily have shared with anyone else before. So they get to understand who you are. They get to understand your wounding. They get to understand what you're looking for in a partner, what you're looking for in a relationship, what the things that are really important to you. And they then take you, so the cycle of abuse is idealization, devaluation and discard, and they run round and round this circle. And the next stage would be devaluation. And they do use this just to check every so often to see how invested you are in the relationship. So you might question why they're saying something or behaving in a certain way. 
and then they'll they'll know how invested you are how much more work they've got to do to get you hooked into this relationship so that you're reliant on them and you then turn to them as the caregiver anybody else in your life you start to push away during this idealization stage this is what they're doing they're extracting this information and what they then do after the relationship and during the relationship actually is create scenarios uh, to get a response extract a response now another term you might hear is a, is supply supply is the attention that they get from people it's it's to do with the quality of attention that they get from people so if you're the primary person within their life the person that they're married to or the the main um, person they're in a relationship with you'll be their main source of supply that's you are number one but they will have other people around them. So it might be people that they work with, it might be siblings or parents, it might be friends, and they all might be of a lesser grade supply, but it's still supply. So when they see them, there's attention, they might regale stories, they might be the comedian, and that's all filling them up. And I, I've described it so many times as being like a little electric car. We're seeing more and more electric cars on the roads these days. An electric car needs charging every so often. So you might charge it overnight. They are the electric car, you're the charging unit. If you're the main or were the main source of supply to them, you would have been their main charging unit at home. And they would have plugged into you when they got home, filled up their battery so that they're on, they've got a full tank when they leave for work or wherever they're going. Electric cars need charging up um, every so, uh, you know, it might, if you're on a long journey, they have to plug in to different sources of supply uh, through that journey. And this is what the emotional abuser needs to do. So they'll go, it might be that they go to work and they've got people at work that supply them. So they'll plug into that unit at work. It might be going out with some friends in the evening and that's another source of supply. So they plug it in. One thing I will say is from the work that I've done and my contact with a lot of people, children don't seem to be a high source of supply. They are a low, that's when I, when I use the uh, uh, chessboard analogy, I use children as pawns because that's what they are. They're actually not a great source of supply unless I suppose they become adults and they can then communicate. But I think they've already allocated them a box on a lower grade of supply but they they do have supply so at some point they will so if you have heard any seen any of my um, youtube videos on parenting narcissistic parents the narcissistic mother and scope get a, a scapegoat even um you know any of those videos you'll see that children do have a place so they'll be the golden child will be a source of supply because they can talk about them or they can show them off you know, they put their bows and their ribbons in their hair and uh, dress them up for the beauty pageant or they're the star footballer or the star, um, I don't know, a swimmer or something like that. They're really good at something. So they have this, but the supply actually comes from what they do, not the person. So I hope that's clear. So this is so that they're the electric car, they're going through the day charging each other up and that's what so when i talk about supply that's what i'm talking about their need for attention they're craving attention and this is the same thing they get attention from your reaction and it 
also amuses them as well. Again, the interactions that I have had with this personality type, there's an amusement to see you respond in a certain way. So they need you to respond for their supply. But there are other way, other reasons they need it. When the relationship is over, they might have either started before the relationship collapses, going around and telling people that they can't live with you any longer, or there's something wrong with you, and they're building this victim story up. So it actually helps them if they can get you to that point of crazy where they are pushing your buttons, they're giving you everything else and you react. And it's really hard when you're in pain to keep control. It really is hard. You've got everything going on. The world that you thought was real has collapsed. You've got so many questions. Did they love me? Did they ever love me? There were, uh, you know, was this real? And then you're trying to understand and unpick and untangle yourself. So they, but they will be looking for you to react. They need you to be that crazy person because when you explode, they can turn around. People will go, oh yeah, I actually understand why you've behaved, you know, why you've left that relationship, why you couldn't um, live there any longer or live with that person any longer. What they haven't seen is that they haven't seen the stages that led you to that point. So when you can understand or understand why they're doing this, you can understand that you will find the wounds that, and you can heal. They can't do that. So you can ask yourself, is this a, re a re rejection or abandonment wound? Where is it coming from? This is all to do with the trauma bonding that took place. These manufactured emotions, and I've talked about that in the last couple of um, podcasts where these, they manufactured, I mean, I've talked about gaslighting. That's manufacturing lots of different emotions being their number one tool. And the second one is triangulation, again, creating jealousy. They've done this. They've done this on purpose. And, and they've, they've created these scenarios. They put you in this place. And then now all they've got to do is because they know what's really important to you. They know what, um, what, you know, how high your morals are. They know what, uh, what your wounds are, and they can start to play. This is another form, this is another game for them. That, so when you get to this point, it's it's understanding that this is what they want from you. And so I'm going to try and help you if this is what you're experiencing at the moment, is find techniques to not react to them, but to respond to them. And it won't matter what they say. This is divorcing emotionally. It doesn't matter what they say or what they do. When you're divorced emotionally from them and you've healed those wounds, they can't hurt you. They can say some really nasty, horrible things, but you can see it from a different place. You can see their narcissistic injury. They are the damaged ones, but they can't do anything about it. They're looking to trigger you. They're looking to see how powerful they are. This is another thing. This comes from that... Um, that supply. When you react, you're showing them how much control they still have over you, how powerful they are. They understood the investment right at the very beginning. This is part, they did this in the um, idealization stage. They worked out what good quality you'd be with regards to supply. So you could be grading it like oil or something like that, you know, different grades of oil. But they've worked out their investment, how much time and how much money and how much they've got to invest in that relationship um, to, and what they will get out. Now, 
from what I can gather by listening to different YouTube channels and podcasts and things like that from people who are narcissists, one of them, which is the knowing the narcissist, um, he's on YouTube. Um, he actually says that in the beginning, he doesn't see that you, he sees the person as uh, being whole and it's the victim, the real victim's fault for not fulfilling the needs of the narcissist. So when he gets in a relationship, he actually sees them as like, this is the one and they're brilliant. I'm put them on the pedestal and they're never going to let me down. And yet they do because the expectation is that you've got everything in you to give, 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 and you don't need to replenish your energy supply for yourself. Um, and you you are trained to hand over everything and provide everything. So they, they understand there's an investment. They understand they're going to have to invest some time, some money into the relationship, into getting you secured into the relationship. But once that's done, and as I said, they do this by the devaluation, they might put in little remarks or comments and you think, oh, that's a bit weird. Um, and you might say something. So at first it might be that it's only a joke. They were only kidding or that you were too sensitive and you think, oh, and that's when you start maybe taking on the responsibility of, oh, you know, this is my fault because that's how you end up at the very end. They take you back to idealization and they run through that whole process again. And, um, and then you get you back down to that devaluation. And if they still get that, they just keep taking you back until you, they get to that point where that they know that they've done enough to secure you. And they'll do it with um, some discards as well. So they might disappear. So you're wondering what you've done wrong and they'll come back and take you back. And, oh, you sigh of relief. I'm back on my pedestal again. All's good in the world. So they've done this. They've created this cycle of abuse, creates and secures you in this relationship. You might have seen the red flags and you might have tried to pull away, but they convince you that it's that you've got it all wrong and that you know that this is your issues. Do you remember you've got trust issues? You had that relationship with um, Johnny and he did this to you. This isn't the, my behavior. This is somebody else's behavior. And this is how they, they get you in there. Once you're out of the relationship or towards the end of the relationship, they're pushing you all the time to get response because this is a supply to them. This is showing how much control they still have over you and how much... Uh, power they still hold over you. Now you might experience behaviors that are really unfamiliar to you. You might have done things and said things and you might actually believe that you're the crazy person. Stop defending yourself. This is ma manufactured. Stop uh, blaming yourself. Now, you can take responsibility. You can take responsibility for your own healing as you move forward. If you overlook the red flags, you can say, okay, look, I did see this red flag. These people are very crafty and very manipulative. I saw this red flag and I ignored it. I ignored quite a few. Well, I didn't ignore quite a few. I actually wanted to do something about it, but I was convinced it was my issues, that I had trust issues. And it wasn't until I came out of the relationship that I realized the trust issues were from the very beginning of the relationship when it was, um, there was some horrific stuff going on. And I kept calling it out and, and saying a few times, I said, I'm done. I'm no, I, I want to change. I want to do this for you. You're so important. And I was the only person that could help him. And I was the only person who understood him. You might recognize some of these terms because they seem to be stock terms. Um, that they use. 
so this is this is where you are now you're a source of supply still so if you still want to be that source of supply carry on responding you've been trauma bonded and you've been subjected to this abuse and you do think like that you're going crazy nothing actually makes sense and this was because part of it was you were um, i love this analogy of the of the one-armed bandit the coin machine that you you kept you're standing there with your cup of coins or your handful of coins or your pocket of coins feeding in your five p's or two p coins your coins into this machine and you're pulling the the lever and you're investing and you've got you go right well i haven't got very many left but i've invested so much in here i know at some point is it this pull is it this pull is it this pull that i'm going to get a return the machine is going to pay out the only person that wins is the person that owns that machine. So your investment, if they're the machine and you're, you're, you're investing your money, you're investing your time, your energy, experience, whatever it is that you're investing in this person, opening up your home, come in, let me help you. Let me house you, let me feed you, let me supply you with whatever it is that you're supplying them with. Um, the energy, the attention. The only person that is winning is the slot machine, the one-armed bandit. It's like the house always wins. Um, the, and it's the same here. They will always win. They walk away and you're left picking up the pieces. You've experienced something absolutely horrific, but they still have this ability to play afterwards. If you're going through divorce, that's why I set up the divorce sanctuary. It's based on, I, you know, I started to do my healing and then I went into the divorce process and it was another game entirely. And I was being manipulated, not just by my ex, but by the people that were doing the divorce as well, find some of the communication. There's a reaction that happens. So you might say something that you don't want to say or behave in a way that you don't want to have behaved. This has been manufactured. These emotions are manufactured. They were designed for you to go crazy. This is a game. You weren't given the rules. They're changed at a moment's notice. Everything that goes on is made for you to question yourself. It's designed, it was designed for you to hand over your power. And you might have experienced this behavior growing up. A lot of people coming out of these relationships that I work with, would do the original wound work. That's what it's about. It's about, you know, this, people will say, why didn't you leave earlier? You know, did you not see it was going on? And a lot of people can't see it's going on because it's familiar behavior. They've experienced it in some form growing up, whether that was with a caregiver or with a parent, there was some form of um, abuse that happened, emotional abuse that happened or a controlling that, that was going on in their lives that this felt familiar. And your reactions are going to be, if you're triggered, you're going to fight or flight. This is where you make decisions to survive. These isn't, these aren't ones that you plot through and you go, oh, if I do this, if I do that, it's automatic. These are automatic life-saving decisions. You don't stand there or the caveman didn't stand there and work out the size of the tiger, the threat, how far it was away and whether it could run. It's all done in split seconds. Fawning is the same. It's, it's a way of protecting yourself. 
So it's, but this is done as a sensory thing and you might fawn because you're, it was when you might have experienced it walking on eggshells or you can sense that a child's going to say something and um, the narcissistic rage is gonna um, explode or that um, somebody's gonna make a comment and you know that is going to trigger the abuser into having a narcissistic rage. So this fawning is where you sense something's going on and you're frightened of them being upset. So you start maybe calming words or slowing things down. And another one is, another um, stress response is freezing where you actually can't move, there's nothing going on, you stop dead. It's actually quite horrific, it's horrible. So what can you do when you start to understand? And this is the whole point when I do anything, a lot of my stuff on my YouTube channel is exactly the same. I want to give you the tools, the best ways to go in, get these wounds and drag them out of you. They're like little verrucas. You know, verruca is a virus. And if you don't get the root and uh, the whole root out, if you pull it and you've left a little bit of that root left over, um, it stays and waits and lays dormant to be triggered again. And this is the same with these wounds. You need to get to the original wound where it all started. But I give you the tools to help you, you know, to get you through rumination, you know, when you're questioning, going over and over that dark place, this is all my fault. This, a lot of this stuff is coming out of your head and being really present in your body because your body, um, you perceive and see things in a different way than your, your brain has been trained to override a lot of this stuff. It's, you know, you've been told that love, their love, which was actually abuse. So when they're abusing you, you're saying, but this is my love. I love you. This is what I'm do. You know, what you've experienced before is not love. This is, I love you. Look, look how I treat you. And you go searching in your memory bank, your filing cabinet of memories. You go searching for the day he bought you flowers or the day she took you out for a meal or the trip he took you on or the um, day she took you out to whatever it, wherever you went, or you know the, the picnic on the beach or park or that concert you went to. And you go, oh yeah, they did love me. Look, I've got the proof. I've got the proof, he did, she did. They did love me. But in between that, you've got abuse going on because this is part of the cycle. Um, you know, the idealization, devaluation, discard. The discards are there and um, to make you crave them, make you wonder what you've done wrong. What did I do? How, did, how have I got to this point? And they come back and they put you back into that idealization stage, back on the pedestal. And you think, oh, it's safe here. But that time on the pedestal gets shorter and shorter and shorter and you're having to work harder and harder and harder to get back there. And your time in devaluation gets longer and the discard might get longer you receiving messages from their communication all the time. You were being fed information and they changed the goalposts. So you have no idea what's going on. They manufactured things like jealousy. Were you a really jealous person before? And yet here you are. They can't move. You might be accusing them all the time of having affairs because they're creating this. They want you to need them. They want you to be jealous of, of other people. And they might even create fake people, um, but they will certainly use triangulation against you, with you and somebody else. And as said, that could be a fake person. So what can you do? 
the things you can do if you receive a message from them or some form of communication then you can i've actually got a video on this seven steps to outsmart the narcissist so i'll put a link to that in the description below stop drop and roll so what you can do is stop what you're doing and there's an emotion that's coming up so you drop into that emotion and then you roll it around and you start asking questions where is this coming from you ground yourself and by coming out of your head as i said and into your body you're able to realize this is a, a deliberate attempt to trigger you to get a response from you to find out if you're still hurting and for them this is where the supply comes from because the bigger the reaction the more hurt you are the more control and power they still have over you and that's all they need to know that's what they're looking for if you're going through divorce or still having to communicate in some way you could ask somebody else to step in you could say could you take control of my phone or my emails ask somebody to write your emails or write your responses so if they've sent you a message go and put your phone your laptop your tablet whatever communication form that's come in go and hide it somewhere under the bed in a wardrobe at the top of a cupboard and then go out somewhere if you can go or stamp your feet move to another room stop thinking about it and get yourself grounded so whether that's stamping your feet grounding seeing visualizing roots coming out of your the bottom of your feet go right in and ground yourself and then when you have given a period of time to that you can go back and read it again because when you read it again you'll read it in with different eyes being grounded you'll read it differently to being in your head and they want a reaction that's their main aim is to get a reaction get you to respond so you can then the next stage might be that you write and i would advise you if you can to get a notebook so and write your response out so whatever they want write out what you want swear words emotions every emotion every word goes out on paper and uh, because there is such a powerful connection it's my belief is it's such a powerful connection between the brain and the hand through the pen and you can actually remove emotion through that way if you want to get a marker pen or or some other pen and just scribble and scream you can do that but it's going to diffuse that tension and then once you've written out what you want what you've got to say and you need to type say type a response email then you can as long as you don't press send you can type it out again exactly what you want to say and then you go through it with your cursor and delete all the emotion you delete every emotional word bullet point yes you can see them on saturday yes they've got i i need this and we've agreed to that and whatever it is that they want but you just bullet point no emotion and this is where the gray rock comes in the gray rock is the same you delete emotion so you you highlight the emotional words and you delete you're not having that i'm deleting my response to you i am deleting my supply to you and that's what you're doing i'm deleting supply i'm deleting supply i'm not feeding you i'm not feeding the monster anymore remember your supply your fuel your attention is fuel 
It's there to prove how deeply they hurt you, to prove how much you care about them, to prove how much power they still have over you. Start looking at these relationships. It's amazing. If you can no contact and you don't ever have to speak to them again, that's the perfect scenario. If you can't and you've got children, grey rock is, your, is, is something that you have to implement. You have to recreate a relationship. You have a different relationship. You could look at it in a way that you have a relationship with the person at the supermarket or you have a relationship with your doctor's receptionist, your dentist's receptionist, the person at the, um, at the post office. I'm trying to think of really weird things. Uh, people, not weird people, I'm trying to think of scenarios that you won't hand over personal information. You won't tell them what's going on. You know, if somebody at the post office, you're saying, can I have four stamps, please? And they say, oh, hi, how are you? Nice day. You're not going to go, oh, and dump your emotion on them unless you are in a really bad state of rumination. You have a relationship with this person, it's, but we need to create it or you need to create it in a different way. So it's like treating this as a business transaction and setting really clear boundaries and um, it's a really lonely place when you come out of these relationships. So, so lonely. Create, I used to say routines, but rituals is something that I'm trying to work towards, you know, so you can get up and it's a ritual to do something. These rituals have to be positive. They make your heart and soul sing. So look at the things that you get a lot of enjoyment from whether it's spending time with children or pets or gardening or going for walks by a walk, you know, water or in the woods or something like that. It's a, to create this ritual that enriches your life, these routines. So it could be that you wake up in the morning and you journal and it's um, something spiritual now that's nurturing you, something for you. So setting clear boundaries, creating a, a, a routine or a ritual of self-care. It might be that you go and you decide that for your morning coffee, the first one of the day, you're gonna grind your own granules and there's a, a ritual of, of grinding and smelling and you know just feeling in and enriching yourself and your soul. Um, it might be a cup of tea or it might be that you go and stand um, in a certain spot and drink uh, a drink with the sun coming down. Or if it's a ritual, you do it to nourish yourself in a different way. It's really important to start looking at what you can do. But remembering, and this is inner standing, inner standing that your reaction is fuel. That's what they want. That's all they want from you. They're not interested in how you are, they're interested in how you're going to react. So we need to start looking at ways of responding to them and only giving them the limited information. And you can highlight and delete emotion, highlight and delete emotion. And you can come up with a little saying, I am not, I'm not supplying you anymore. Go and find your source of supply from somebody else whatever it is, but start looking at ways and who can help you. So if you get those triggering emails, 
please move whatever it is away from you and step away before you tell them what you want to tell them you know, what they've done to you, you've hurt me so badly. I've invested my money, I've invested my time, I've invested my life into you. you these are, you know, time that you're not going to get back. But you can now recreate by deleting them from your life and deleting the emotion that you've got and healing those wounds. You can, you can create an amazing life. People say, oh, but I'm, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s. You can still create a beautiful life on your terms. I hope you found this useful. Sending you loads and loads of love until next time.